Hi, this is Greg Anderson, and this is the Living in Carver County podcast. It's an insider's conversation with the people who make Carver County the best place to live, work, and raise a family. My guest today is the senior pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in downtown Chaska, Pastor Greg Snow. And now Greg's names come up a bunch from different people, uh, congregants that I've had on the podcast, and just other people in the community. So I'm, I'm very excited to be able to have this conversation today. Greg, thanks a lot for agreeing to be on the show. Sure. It's uh, great to be with you. <laughs> Said in very South, very, in a very South Dakota, very under, understated way. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And everybody says, well, you know, where are you from? And, you know, I just say, I don't have an accent. And everybody's like, oh, yes, you do. So. <laughs> well, why don't we, that's what I like to start off with is maybe talk a little bit about where'd you grow up and, uh, you know, where'd you go to school and, you know, kind of what was your life path that led you to uh, Chaska, Minnesota? Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in Watertown, South Dakota. My dad was an auditor for mobile oil. Um, I went to school in uh, South Dakota State University in Brookings, South Dakota. I was a divisional manager for Herbergers, both in Wilmer and then in um, Moorhead, Minnesota. Then I ended up um, buying a produce wholesaling house with my father back in Watertown. So we did that for probably six or seven years. And, um, we had probably about, oh, 50 or so customers that we saw almost every day. And so I, I did street ministry is what I call it. I didn't even know I was doing it. So I grew up in a, um, a very, um, committed, um, devoted, church family. So I have two brothers that are pastors, another brother uh, who is a principal of a parochial school. So all four boys now are um, called full, full-time called church workers. And uh, my sister is a, a nurse. So we're all in those helping professions. Um, so as I was in the kitchens and in the back rooms and the stock rooms and coolers with uh, various people, you know, they would get to know us and get to know, um, you know, just a heart for, for people. And they're like, well, you should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. And that kind of happened, um, you know, throughout those six or seven years, um, it would go, somebody would say it and then might go six months or, you know, a little bit longer Then. um, as more uh, conversations were happening, it would happen more frequently. You should be a pastor. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to be a pastor. I know, I know what pastors are like. I have two brothers that are pastors. I'm, I know how they're treated. I know what they get paid. I'm not going to do that. Um, turns out one day, three people in three different, um, three different customers, three different stops said, you should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. You should be a pastor. I'm like, Really, I don't think I should be a pastor, but um, I said, I'll talk to my wife and she'll put an end to that. And she goes, well, if you think you should, then I said, well, I'll tell my dad and he'll certainly stop that because he knows who I am. And he goes, well, who am I supposed to argue with the Holy Spirit? And so then one after another, after another, ended up in uh, uh, Concordia uh, Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. And uh, we had two kids, a house, and ended up in St. Louis. And that's kind of how I ended up in Chaska. We do a vicarage or an internship 
year. And so then I was placed here at St. John's, then went back to St. Louis and then was called back in 2000 um, as a assistant pastor here. When you say, for people who maybe aren't familiar with that terminology, I was going to ask you about the vicar, you know, what that meant. And then also, when you say called, what do you mean? Uh, for people who don't aren't familiar with that terminology. Sure. So the church has the calling or the ability. It's not really a hire in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Um, it's not like finding somebody to uh, um, just fill a position. And go through a whole process and some interviews. Um, and we believe that it's a divine call. So God actually is placing the pastors in the various positions. Okay. So, but it, it's, it's coming through. It's sort of like a, um, that's, that's was the distinction that I was trying to get. It's a spiritual calling where you just feel compelled to reach out or it's something where uh, the hierarchy of the church says, you know, Hey, Greg, I think uh, Casco would be a good fit and you have to, um, you know, yeah, con so contemplate whether it, that's an actual calling or not, or. Yeah. So there's an internal call, which is kind of what I just talked about um, saying, okay, yeah, I think I could be a pastor. Um, I didn't want to be a pastor, but then all of a sudden something changes and says, well, I could do it. Could I do other things? I could. Um, but then something changes. And so that's the internal call. Okay. Then there's an external call that comes from the church and says, yeah, you know, we would like you to consider being a pastor. So I don't have to be a pastor if somebody asks, right? So there may be um, a number of different interviews or um pastorates congregations that would say hey we want you to come to you know missouri to be a pastor we want you to go to wyoming to be a pastor come to north dakota uh, to be a pastor and just because they call does not mean that you have to go so that's where the external call and the internal call have to match got it okay so now i've been here this is the only place i've been <laughs> so that i interned here pretty much um, that's what we call a vicarage um then assistant to associate and to uh, uh, the senior pastor role here at St. John's. Okay. And then um, if, is it up to you then if you, uh, you know, like, for example, I grew up in the Catholic church and it's really not up to the priest. I mean, the archdiocese will decide, hey, we're going to move you to this particular parish. I mean, do you get those types of, you know, from the hierarchy in the church, do they occasionally say, okay, you've done a good job. You've taken St. John's from A to B. We'd really like you to, you know, do that same thing. And yeah, no, it's, it's usually not a top down, you know, it's congregational driven. Okay. You know, the the uh, district or the uh, Senate might say, Hey, we'd like you to consider X, Y, Z, you know? Um, but just because they ask, they don't voluntold you to go somewhere. <laughs> I like that term, voluntold. I'm, I'm familiar with that. The other thing is, lest I have any, um, <clears throat> you know, reservations about my career path, um, not once has anyone suggested that I should be a pastor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so what I, I always say, you know, if I was a biblical character, I would be Jonah. And, um, you know, that story of 
go to Nineveh and and speak my word. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. And here I am 20 some years later in Nineveh. Yep. <laughs> I think that's one of the townships. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right next to Braxton. <laughs> so, so, all right. So you've been here. So talk a little bit about St. John's. I mean, you know, what's, you know, how long has the parish been around? How, um, uh, you know, what, what's happening with it? I mean, you're, it's cause it's one of the few, I, I, by the way, I was mentioning, I grew up in central Wisconsin town about the size of Chaska, 20,000, um, three Catholic schools, one Lutheran school, you know, when I, before I left Wisconsin, I thought that's just the way it was, you know? Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're seeing less and less parochial schools in communities, you know, that, I mean, they tend to shut down even in Chaska. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about St. John's, you know, as a, in a broader sense, as a parish a community, as a, and as a, uh, as a school and, and, uh, you know, basically kind of a, how's it going? Yeah, we're one of the three historic churches here in Chaska, uh, downtown, just down the street from uh, the Moravian church and uh, across the highway from Guardian Angels. Um, we're just a couple blocks south south of the uh, gazebo uh, city square park um 1885 is when the church began um so we're 130 plus years um as a congregation and uh continues to we shouldn't be here um but we are um so what i mean by that is um it's by god's design uh, through the leadership, through pandemics, through all kinds of, um, you know, foibles that we've had in the church, uh, that, you know, if God had a different way, he would be doing it already. Um, and so he finds us faithful. I'm so thankful for uh, the, the saints who have gone before us, those who um, gave the best of who they were. Um, and overgave so that others might know the story of the gospel. And, uh, and I think that's, that's where we are as a church right now, as we're looking forward and making uh, plans for the future. Um, I'm 58 and, uh, you know, maybe there's 10 or so years uh, that I have left if uh, God sees, sees it that way uh, here at St. John's and, um, you know, it gets us thinking about what's next and how do we leave a legacy for those who come after us. So we are a, a church of, um, you know, multiple generations. We are a multi-generational church uh, because of the school. And, um, you know, we have uh, some ages. I just looked at a pie chart uh, that our business manager put together and really it just shows such um, a diversity in uh, all age ranges. Um, and so I'm thankful uh, for that. And it just shows the longevity and uh, growth potential here at St. John's uh, for uh, leaving again um, a place that will share the gospel, you know, for generations to come. Okay. <clears throat> um, so tell me about, is it all right if I, I mean, I get the mission. Um, but I want to talk about just the mechanics of it. Cause I think when you and I talked offline, 
um, one of the things that we were talking about or that I wanted that I said I wanted to talk about is just kind of what's happening with church in a in a sort of a broader sense. You know, there's a Demi are Mission. people coming or not coming to church because of the pandemic, you mean, or what's happening? Well, in even in a broader sense, even, even maybe even maybe even Greg, prior to the pandemic, you know, you have there's a lot of um, of, of uh, kind of new non-denominational churches that have gotten very large. There's, you know, sure. what, what what's sort of the pattern? I mean, what's your, for example, your attendance? If, if whatever metric you want to use, whether it's members, do you, do people join? Do they have an official? Are they officially members of the church? Yeah. Or? So so we have membership here at St. John's, and so um, with that comes the ability to, you know, I think it's harder now for me, or the biggest question that I have is who are our members because of the pandemic, you know, who's watching online? What are those metrics? Um, and, and for that is who do I shepherd? Who, who do I, you know, for you. And I asked some of those questions offline of you, you know, where do you go to church? Um, how can we help? Blah, blah, blah. So available to, you know, the broader community. So I think we all have that responsibility. But then there's a different responsibility um, when you're a pastor that, you know, you care for those sheep who are part of the flock, you know, and you care differently for them. You call them, you um, are trying to keep track of, you know, where they are in their lives and hear their stories. Um, and so that's a, a great privilege as a, as a pastor to be able to do that. Um, so we have membership where we are maybe... 1100 1200 oh, you know okay. on the books and if that is a real number um which i'm not sure it is anymore because people come and go and you know they they come for a variety of reasons they leave for a variety of reasons um you know we're right now we're worshiping you know on a sunday or on a weekend so we have three services on sunday one monday night um we are probably around 400 or so on average, um, which is down probably by a third, um, maybe a little bit more because of the pandemic, you know, and so mm -hmm. to try to gauge and have those metrics of who's online, who's worshiping, there's a, there's a, a great um, blessing that we've kind of been propelled into this, um, into this age with, screens and video and um, recordings and live streaming, which is a great blessing. And it may have taken years. We talked years um, for that to happen. And then it happened overnight, you know, when everything was shutting down, we, we didn't have an option to do anything. And, you know, we're still evolving with that and, and uh, had have conversations, what our Facebook presence is like, what our uh, YouTube presence is like, our website is like. <laughs> 10 years ago, if someone had said, okay, Pastor Snow, you're going to have to be concerned about your presence on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Imagine I, that I, conversation. I didn't even want to have Facebook. And, <laughs> and my wife said, you you got to have it. I'm like, okay, but I'm not going to use it. And now there's plenty of things that I find out that about, you know, people in the community or uh, people in the, um, in the parish, in the congregation that nobody tells me about. So then, you know, it's about, hey, I see you have cancer. I see your mom died. I see, you know, those kinds of things. So it's a ministry tool for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a leverage thing. I mean, it's, it's basically, you know, it's kind of for better or worse has taken the place of the local paper. Um, you know, the, the bowling league, the, you know, those places where people were congregating and exchanging that type of information. So, so I get that. How, how do your numbers, you said you're at running 11 to 1200, um, uh, uh, members and, you know, right now roughly 400, um, worshiping in person. How does that compare with, I don't know, 10 years ago? Well, I mean, I think at the, at the height of the, the biggest growth, you know, through some of the hardest times in the church, um, or in our community, that's when people, you know, find a God, um, right. so to speak. And so right get, after get that humility to come to, yeah, right yeah. after September 11th, um, 2001, you know, we were bouncing around the 800, um, in worship. So maybe we're half of, you know, of the high, um, you know, but as things change, people find other things to do. It's not so bad. Maybe they don't need God so much. Um, you know, other things fill the time. Um, kind of what we talked about ahead of time with, um, you know, with finances and the real estate market and all of those things. Um, if it's worth your time, not worth your time, you can find other things to do. Um, so I think there's a time. By the way, just for I'm gonna just jump in here. That wasn't related to a business thing. That wasn't in related to the church that we were talking about. That. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. We weren't doing a cost benefit analysis on going to church. It was about yeah. a, it was about a business thing. But and <laughs> I just that, want to clarify is, that for both you and me. <laughs> but I think there's a correlation with that, right? So right. people come and go, and you know, if when things are good. Um, people don't necessarily think they need a lot of God in their life because they're taking credit for um, what's happening in their life and in their world. Um, when things are bad, if you've been in the church, well, then maybe God gets the blame for that. And so people maybe leave for that. And so there's some, some conversations, you know, not everything is black and white um, when it comes to that and that hard and fast rules. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, as we have those conversations, they're, they're one-on-one and, um, you know, we're not creating precedence, uh, by the conversations we have, everybody's an individual. And so it's an individual plan and conversation and those relationships, you know, uh, they live and breathe and move and in a different sort of way. I like that. I, you know, it, it's kind of, that's a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about. Cause you know, the Missouri Senate's probably not necessarily the most like known as the most progressive church in, in the state. And, you know, coming from Catholicism have a little bit of a understanding of what that's like, you know, what's your observation about um, sort of the rise in the last 20 years of the kind of non-denominational churches or these sort of, you know, the, the mega church or those kinds of things is you, you talked about, you know, sort of that, um, that everybody, you know, that there's their guidelines, I think is the, the word you used or the, uh, so what do you see? How do you see that as a shift? Because ultimately the destination is, you know, everybody's got the same destination. You're talking right. about different paths. So, you know, do you have an observation on that? Or do you, you know, how do you see that as something that's uh, positive for Christianity or something that's been a, a you know, a, a, a pull from, you know, more traditional faith-based communities like, you know, like the Lutheran church, for example. Well, and I just think we're all part of the same um, family, uh, if you will. 
that um, we're all on the same side. It's not Lutherans against Catholics, you know, how Chaska used to be, or I'm told, you know, across the road, Catholics on one side, Lutherans on the other, and near uh, the two shall meet. Um, about 15... <laughs> About 15. I, I dated a Lutheran. My date. first girlfriend was Lutheran, and that was I know, let alone date or get married. Um, and so about 15, maybe a little longer than that. Um years ago, we um got together with uh, a number of businessmen and church leaders in the community, and um that's kind of where love in the name of Christ came from. So right now there are 28 um, various denominations uh, and churches in Eastern Carver County that are all part of Love Inc. or have an affiliation with Love Inc. I've gotten to know, um, you know, some great pastors uh, of really small churches and some great pastors of parishes. And, um, you know, they have like Westwood as a city unto itself. And, um, you know, the, the different uh Catholic parishes that are around. Um, so I have great friends from, uh, from all kinds of denominations. And we talk about what unites us, not what uh, makes us different necessarily. And so, you know, we want to just be the hands and feet of Christ. Um, and so I, I think it's great that people are going to Westwood. I think it's great that people go to uh, the Moravian church. I think um, Westbrook um, is a wonderful new place that has popped up uh, in Chaska recently. Um, and um, I, have, I have great admiration and friends with, uh, within each of those denominations. Nice. I had Al Norby on the podcast um, earlier. Um, I've known Al for a long time and you know, talking about, you know, what was happening with Love Inc. and, and uh, you know, the cool, the, it kind of, it makes sense, right? If you're, like you said, you're all on the same side. And so it's like, okay, how do we go out and impact, you know, how do we have, how do we help community? Um, yeah, and I think that's just preparation uh, more, Greg, with um, who, who can we go to when things are good or when things are bad? Um, it's not a question of if, but more a question of when, mm-hmm. you know, so when things happen, when there's a tragedy, when there's a disaster, when there's uh, something we want to celebrate, you know, who do we call? We don't have to say, now, who's the pastor there and what's that about? Um, you know, and we know who we can trust and who we can rely on um, just by um, those past relationships, you know, uh, who's an easy conversation on one that might be a little bit more difficult. Sure. You mentioned uh, when things get bad. Um, talk a little bit about your work with uh, Minnesota Crisis Consultation. Uh, so say a little more about that. Uh, when your bio, it's <laughs> I read <My>. your bio. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> that you had work. So when things get bad, you know, what do, what, what, what do you what is your role? I mean, do you you know, Joel, I know Joel Johnson fairly well. And that, you know, like you said, it's a city onto itself. Right. And so if someone's having a particular type of crisis, you know, they would go to Dave Troutman as opposed to going to the senior pastor, you know, somebody in the, in your community, I mean, do they reach out to you? What, you know, where do they get, or or do you have people around you that try to make connections? Um, You know, like during COVID for just, I'll give you an example. During COVID there was this, uh, um, 
the uh, resilience project, right? And it was different people from the faith community. It was different people from, it was people from the police department, from the county, you know, from, uh, you know, from uh, his house, you know, Martha's on with his house. And it was sort of like a, almost a uh, kind of a non-denial or sort of a, almost a secular version of Love, Inc. It was like, okay, what do you guys need? What do you need? How can we, you know, how can we do plug and play so that we're, we don't have redundancy in one area and, and, and you know, complete uh, um, uh, an absence of any sort of attention in a different area? You know, how do we address these needs? And so how do you execute on that, you know, within your parish community? Yeah, so I don't have people that make necessarily those connections. Um, you know, I, I go to a lot of things that I don't know why I'm there. Um, so sometimes <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I think God, God has a plan for that. And, um, it's through those connections, um, mostly a ministry of presence sometimes, um, so that, if somebody has an individual question or, you know, there's a larger community piece um, because I go to some of those things, then people come and call and, you know, it's kind of how did, how do we get together? How do I get on, you know, your podcast of all people and places, you know, it's just one of those things where we do. And you said, well, you want to be on the podcast? I'm like, well, not really. Uh, you know, what, what, do, what do I have to say about that? Um, but I'm here today just because of that opportunity. Um, you know, maybe there's a listener out there um, that has questions and um, to feel free to call. Uh, there are some places where you can't ever get to the pastor. This isn't one of them, you know. And so, you know, as you call or leave a message um, that, you know, we'll get back to you. Okay. All right, cool. You do, are you still involved with the, uh, with law enforcement? Yep. So I'm a chaplain uh, for the Chaska Police Department. Uh, there are four chaplains right now, actually three when uh, just took a, um, a position out of state. So now there are three of us. Um, and, you know, we're not called out every day to every scene, but um, called in uh, traumatic situations. Most of the time when the police department calls or it's a dispatcher, um, you know, there's, there's something that's gone drastically wrong. Uh, suicide or uh, some sort of a death um, or a, you know tragic accident um, and so the police department they will ask you know the people who are involved in that would you like a chaplain to call or to come by and and some will say yes and some will say no depending on you know their faith walk and uh, so when we call uh, when when we're called you know we will go and uh, if one of us can't go then it's uh, you know the call is made to another uh, chaplain and they'll go. So it's so like a little round Robin thing where, yeah. So you're on call for the month is kind of how we're um, set up. Okay. Yeah. I, w I wasn't clear on that. I didn't know if you were ministering to police officers or if it was more of a, you know, uh, kind of a, like you said, you know, you're there when something is unfortunately drastically yeah. Yeah. So, so there is, I mean, that's a huge part of what we're doing too, is um, to be involved in the lives of the, the police officers um, and their families. So um, police officers are pretty guarded. Um, they will, uh, you know, they're, they're not always the most trusting of people, you know, their eyes are always watching and see 
very trustworthy, right? But when it comes to relationships, they're guarded, they think different, um, they act different in um, certain situations. That's where their training comes from. Um, and so for them just to say, oh, you're the pastor, you know, I'll tell you all about my life. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you gonna, about this thing I have. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're not going to do that unless you get a chance to know them and they okay. see you as a real person and they can trust you. You know, they, they try you on for size um, and see if you're real. And uh, once they figure that out, you know, then, uh, you know, they invite you to more things to be part of their lives as well. How long have you been doing that? 10 years, maybe. Okay. How has that impacted um, the way that you minister to the parish? I mean, have there been things that you've seen that I'm guessing, you know, I've got friends in the police force and, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll tell story, you know, a couple of beers and I'll get stories about things that I have, you know, I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. And I'm guessing, you know, on the other, I mean, you know, and obviously, you know, it's more jovial than, you know, they're not talking about things that are really, um, you know, profoundly sad or, or, you know, and they do it in a very generalized way. It's not like they're just divulging any confidentiality issues or anything. They're just sometimes blowing off steam, but, you know, in, in your, in your case, you're seeing things that are, you know, pretty impactful. I mean, you know, that can just being around, it can be traumatic for people, um, has that impacted the way that you, um, for lack of a better way, do your day job? No, I mean, it's part of who I am, I think, you know, at the core. And so to be able to care for people, to um, stand in the moment, not to, um, you know, push a religion on anyone. So as a chaplain, um, you may or may not um, say much to the family um, if unless they bring it up. Right. So just because we are um, pastors, you know, it's not like we're handing Bibles out, um, you know, when we go to a scene, it's a matter of being able to live out our faith and you kind of read the situation. Um, we can tell them the hope that we have in Christ. Um, they may or may not want to hear that. And so you kind of have to gauge it and, and find the right time if there is a time to be able to do that. I mean, that's really the, the ability um, to bring the the presence of Christ into a, a tragic situation. And sometimes it's easier than others to find a way to do that. I, I think that probably that part would translate over into daily life. I, you know, we're, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. I want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate you um, doing this. Um, albeit somewhat reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you talked about um, we, we, I, one of the things I think you and I talked about offline is grace, right? And, you know, we're in an environment where things that used to kind of happen at a, at a very high altitude have sort of permeated down into local space where, and you, and you mentioned, you've talked about this in different ways. You talked about it in terms of your relationship with other uh, leaders in, in, you know, other faith communities, right? That what we, we're on the same side, you know, what we agree on is, is much broader than what we disagree on. And as, as someone in a leadership position, particularly in a faith community, how are you sort of reconciling what's happening 
um, nationally, uh, which, you know, the, from an ideological standpoint and how that is, that seems to be sort of eking down into local activities. I, I ran for city council, got my butt kicked by the way, <clears throat> but I ran for city council and people asked me my views on national topics. And I'm like, what does that have to do with city council? You know, potholes aren't partisan, you know, this is, but, but these things have sort of, you know, trickled down. And how do you, as a, as a leader where, you know, where the country is pretty much 50, 50, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? Well, I think it's kind of the same sort of way we talk about things that unite us, not get into the political fray, um, you know, of vaccines and mass and, you know, um, you know, other huge dividing hot buttons. Right. right. Um, but okay. But let's use that as an example. I mean, why are vaccines political? You know, you're, you, nobody was protesting getting polio shots or getting, um, you know, mumps or rubella or whooping cough or, you know, any of the vax. I mean, we've been getting that. I mean, you know, I'm old enough that, you know, I have family members who were involved with polio, right? Sure, um, yeah. You know, and, and, and that wasn't a, that was never considered a political issue. And that, that's, that's exactly, that's a great kind of point because that's the point that I've been struggling with is, we're taking things that really shouldn't be political and allowing them to be politicized. I mean, vaccination shouldn't be political, you know? I mean, how you, you know, whether, you know, what you think the tax rate should be or what you think, um, you know, whether you think there should be, uh, it, I mean, all kinds of sort of operational aspects, but how do you deal with things that are, you know, that, that, that shouldn't be political that have become political and, and how do you sort of mediate that? Um, you know, we don't speak it out of the pulpit or it's not part of our worship services. You know, if you ask me my, my idea of this, that, or the other, you know, I'll, I'll give you my stance as a, you know, as an individual. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, church is church and worship is you know not less about us and more about god and how he comes to us um so we live in the world um and so you have to filter all those through how you think about things is different than how i would think about things we'll find you know some of those commonalities but um, the church isn't political. There's all kinds of politics inside of a church. <laughs> I was going yeah, yeah. to check you on that. Just <laughs> and, and ways and ways around it. So I mean, you have. To be. It's not supposed to be. No, but you have to be. I mean, that's every congregation has a life of its own. It has its own relationship. It has its own ecosystem, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so it operates and um, is sustainable because of that. Um, and you got to know how to maneuver, maneuver through, um, you know, some of the fray to um, draw people together as opposed to separate us. Because those political differences, they have the power to separate and divide. And, um, you know, in the church, it's Christ that unites and how important it is for that reconciliation um, to talk about those things where there are differences, but we can't. We can't focus on those um, things that that um, are dividing us. Those things that we're not, we don't have the power to solve anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, I get it. I, it just, I, I think the, I mean, I get that that's the intention. I just, from a practical standpoint, I think I'm, I'm kind of looking to, you know, hoping for um, cooler heads to prevail, right? Um, about and, and to, to kind of keep people focused. I mean, what? Let's shift gears on that a little bit. What do you think the biggest challenges for you know, like in or, organized churches right now? I mean, what for the next? If you're thinking about, you mentioned that you were doing some forecasting with your leadership team, um, but if you were going to take a couple steps up, not just you know, maybe not just within St. John's or for that matter, within the Missouri Senate. But if you were going to take it on a broader sense, what are the biggest challenges that you see that churches face? And what do you think is the, what's the, what's the answer other than obviously looking to God, but, you know, but from a more of an operational standpoint, how can I use these same things and apply it in my, in my, in a business or in a, if I'm, if somebody's listening to this, they're part of somebody on school board, for example, how do you, what, how, how, you know, give us some direction in terms of how to control focus. Well, and I think the, to the, to the challenge part, you know, the biggest challenge of the church is, um, you know, no matter what denomination are the people that um, don't really have a, a reason for God, you know, and they're not believing or there is a belief, but it's um, really, uh, dim or dying and so there i think that's one of satan's greatest um uh, tricks for us is to say well sunday morning is the is the time is the best time to have coffee it's the best time to read the paper it's the best time to go to a sporting event it's the best time you know spent as family um and so really there are more people that don't go to church than do no matter across the dom- denominational um, line or divide, um, and so we we have to work hard to share the gospel in daily life. You know, in work at the grocery store, um, to be able to to um, to share, so that others, when they have questions, they can come to the church as opposed to just going to their neighbor and trying to figure it out and they just have a long conversation don't get anywhere so that's the big that's the biggest challenge there's you know as chaska grows um there aren't many that come and go to church that's one of the last things instead of the first thing i mean that used to be when you moved into a town you found a church and that's where you found your your base your hope your friendships sprung up out of there. And now, um, you know, people are so individual um, that they, they are searching for answers that they'll never find on their own. I don't think. Hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a pretty good, I don't, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I don't want to screw that up. (laughs) So by uh, going in a different direction, is there anything else I I want? And again, I want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything that you kind of want to wrap up with anything that you want to leave people that are listening to this with other than, you know, we're, I mean, I'll leave it at that. We used to ask this. I think I I mentioned this to you when we're talking offline. We used to ask this when I started the podcast, I was trying to come up with a kind of a key question and we called it the beer question. 
And the question is, okay, you're sitting in someone's living room, you're having a beer and what's the one thing you'd want them to know that you think that they're, you know, what's that one thing? Um, I think the biggest um, thing is we're, as we're talking is about relationships um, and to know that relationships are so important and that you, it's not about uh, those things that divide us, those things that unite us and where do we find that commonality. Um, it's so important to be part of a community. And, um, you know, I, I think churches used to be, you know, here we are, come find us, you know, we'll, we'll give you whatever you want, but you got to come here first. And I think, again, that goes along with the challenge that people, you know, they don't necessarily want to come to church. Um, they're afraid to step foot in the church. And so that's the community outreach and some of those places where we go and meet people where they are. So that Monday evening meal uh, that we do that called the gathering place, they used to eat it downstairs in the fellowship hall. There was maybe 50 people that would eat um, and come into the church. Sounded like a great idea. The pandemic hits and we never missed a beat. And so our volunteers are serving now 150 meals, at least maybe 160, 170 meals every Monday evening. Um, and it's all takeout and a hot, nutritious meal. Um, and so it's, a, it's the presence of that. Um, it's not necessarily, um, you know, let us read a Bible verse to you. Um, and we'll give you a meal. It's really free. And so it's a community place, not just uh, for the members to do that work, but we have people, you know, across the denominational divide, some people that don't even go to church, but they want to, uh, they want to help. Um, and so there are, there are um, connections that are made there uh, to serve people. That's really what it's all about. Um, connections with uh Martha and his house with um, uh, Al and Loving with um, uh, Mikasa, which is uh, uh, a Latino ministry, and um, Mary Hernandez and CAP agency and the health department and the food distributions. Uh, we just did one um, in the cold on uh, on Thursday last week. So there are plenty of places to put your faith into action. Um, words come cheap, but it's the, it's the service uh, to be the hands and feet of Christ. How is it that you live your life? Um, none of us are perfect and none of us can do everything, but everyone can do something. And so to be able to get involved in your community and, and serve out of the gifts that God has given you, as opposed to say, Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Um, we all have gifts. And so your gift is, um, being able to run a podcast i couldn't do that um but we stand on the strengths that uh, that we have and um you know to be able to communicate and and serve and look for where god is already leading i think sometimes we think that we know what we're supposed to be doing and we wonder why it doesn't um turn out like we think it should and I think our eyes are closed to where God is leading and uh, what he's gifted us to do. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Greg, thank you again for agreeing to be on. I, I hope this was fun. I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm going to stop recording here in just a sec. But again, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure.